0: Turn with me again to uh, Mark chapter two. I'm going to read uh, verse twenty three through. Uh, chapter Three, Verse Twelve this morning. so this covers two uh, two different occasions where Jesus had a confrontation with the Pharisees about the Sabbath day uh, and then i won 't particularly be focusing on uh, chapter three verse uh, seven through twelve here i 've actually uh, referenced that passage a couple of times already the themes of the the crowds and jesus and um, how they affect his ministry, and, and also the, uh, the demons, I, knowing and identifying uh, Christ and um, who he is uh, as well. But our focus will be on uh, the two conflicts here uh, over the Sabbath this morning. So Mark 2, uh, verse 23, this is God's holy and foul word, so give uh, careful attention as it's read this morning. It happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and the disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need, and he and his companions became hungry, How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat, except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. He entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. He said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples, and a great multitude from Galilee followed, and also from Judea, and from Jerusalem, and from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon. A great number of people heard all that he was doing, and came to him. And he told his disciples that a boat should stand ready for him because of the crowd, so that they would not crowd him. For he healed; he had healed many, with the result that all those who had afflictions pressed around him in order to touch him. Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they would fall down before him and shout, "You are the Son of God!" And he earnestly warned them not to tell who he was. In we'll our reading there this morning, I, I look back with some uh, regret on uh, classes that I took in high school, even in college. Um, not, not all of them, but many of them, um, I would like to take them again with a different uh, attitude uh, an approach. Um, too often my attitude was, uh, my approach was simply to get a certain grade, or my, my thought was what, what am I allowed to do in terms of work or behavior, or what, what am I not allowed to do, what can I get away with, or what's, what's the minimum number of things that I have to do. Um, in this class, or to, to, at least to get the grade that I wanted to get. It wasn't a, uh, a total disdain for rules, uh, requirements on my part, just a very self-centered um, approach and, and really a rather ungrateful attitude towards um, the, the blessing of these classes that I had. If my attitude had been... Um, what what ought I to be doing, not just what can or what what can't I do or what can I get away with, but what ought I be doing to get the most out of this class? How can I honor the great blessing of this privilege? Uh, How can I honor the work and the preparation of the teacher? Um, If those were my questions, I I think I would have had massively greater benefit um, much of the time um, than my minimalist uh, utilitarian. Uh, self-centered approach to classes at at some times. I think that uh, it can be very similar with uh, our approach to the Sabbath day or the the Lord's day, uh, the Christian Sabbath. Um, It's easy to approach simply with questions of what are are the rules, what am I allowed to do, not allowed to do, Um, what can I get away with. That's again a deeply narcissistic, self-centered approach to the good gift of the Lord's Day. Uh, ironically, it's given by God as a day particularly to be God-centered. We, we ought to be asking, what ought I to be doing uh, on the Lord's Day? What, what is it for? Uh, not just what, are, what is the checklist or what are the rules or what are the don'ts? Uh, what is it for? How can I honor and use this great gift uh, and the God who gave it um, to the fullest? Uh, Well, there's a similar attitude in the Pharisees here to the the Sabbath day, um, the Old Testament Sabbath, Um, in their approach. They approach Jesus with this, uh, again, ironically, uh, man-centered questions and charges uh, against him. And Jesus responds with a challenge, effectively, that they would consider their attitude and their understanding um, of the Sabbath and, and know him as Lord of the Sabbath. Now, for the, again, for the New Testament church, for the church today, um, the Sabbath is observed on uh, the first day of the week, and we call it the Lord's Day. The New Testament calls it the Lord's Day. Uh, that's that's from the Bible, and, and uh, so we're going to be considering, as we consider Jesus' conflict here of the Sabbath, we'll be thinking about uh, application to today, to Sunday, to the Lord's Day, Um Uh, and how we think about it and and approach it. So I want to issue essentially the same challenge to you this morning, that you would examine your practice, your uh, attitude uh, towards the Lord's Day. Is Jesus the Lord of your Lord's Day? Are you both guarding it and uh, using it positively uh, for his sake uh, and your benefit as he designed so let's consider the first uh, conflict here, the first charge against uh, Jesus. Uh, this is, these are uh, two among um, some other conflicts that Jesus had um, with the Pharisees on this topic. But in verse 23 it says, uh, sets the scene as uh, it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain so Jesus and his disciples are walking from one place to the next uh, in the course of his ministry, um, and they're they're snacking as they go, essentially, right? They're they're picking heads of grain as as they walk and and eating the grain, um, the the wheat or whatever whatever it was. And verse twenty-four, uh, the Pharisees, as so often it seems, they're they're for some reason right there watching Jesus closely uh, to see what he will do, uh, and they were saying to him, "Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath?" Um, now it's interesting to know what what is what is God's in light of this charge. What does God's law say about? what Jesus and his disciples are, are doing, perhaps. Well, for one thing, snacking, as they were, from someone else's crops while you're out and about on a journey is specifically uh, allowed in God's Word, okay? And specifically permitted. De- Deuteronomy 23, uh, in addressing and applying God's law and talking about, you know, how do we relate to other people's personal property and that kind of thing, says... Uh, if you go into your neighbor's vineyard, and the context here is if you're out on a journey, right, not, not just if you're too lazy to make your own food or something like that, but if you're, if you're out and you're in need, you may eat your fill of grapes, as much, many as you wish, but you shall not put any in your bag. If you go to your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck the ears with your hand, but you n- shall not put a sickle to your neighbor's standing grain. Okay, so you're allowed to snack from someone else's field if you're out on a journey. There, you know, there were no McDonald's or anything else to to stop and uh, get some food from. Um, it, it specifically prohibits, uh, you know, stuffing your pockets or, or uh, filling a basket, something like that. Um, in, in Florida, we lived across the street from a. You pick blueberry farm, and they had essentially the same policy. At least the first few years, they were open. While you were, you, you you'd pick, they'd give you these white buckets, and you'd fill the bucket, and they'd weigh it when you leave, um, and and you'd pay by by the pound. But they they said you could you could eat the blueberries while you were picking blueberries, and they didn't weigh you on the way in and the way out. Right? <laughs> uh, thankfully for for my kids. Um, so the, the same the same basic rule applies here. You know you can you can pick a, a granola bars worth of grain as as you're walking along um, as long as you don't fill your fill your basket. So uh, at the same time though uh, the Old Testament also talks about uh, gives a, a couple of specifics about the Sabbath day. Um, not not a lot. Uh, But Exodus 34, in uh, implying the Ten Commandments, says, Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest time you shall rest. So there's there's a prohibition against harvesting, uh, specifically relative to the Sabbath there. Um, The day was to be set apart for for special focus, special use. It wasn't to be dominated by ordinary business, ordinary work. It wasn't to be uh, you know, a, a day of harvesting, um, uh, a day of plowing or something like that. Um, and so what are, where does what Jesus and his disciples are doing fit in? Is, does it come under that prohibition? It doesn't seem like it would at all. It's really distinct entirely from, from harvesting. Or, or something like that, right? They're, they're doing what, what God's law gives, pro, gives uh, allowance for um, in you know, having a snack from your neighbor's field uh, if you're on a journey. So why, why this very serious charge if it seems there's no prohibition at all in God's law uh, against what they're doing? The, the Pharisees say it is not lawful. In other words, they, they mean it's sinful uh, what you're doing. Well, it's unlawful by their own rules, uh, not not necessarily by the law of God. Um, the Mishnah is a, a ancient Jewish doctrine. It, it is a collection of um, Jewish traditions that would have reflected a lot of what the Pharisees would have practiced the Mishnah includes uh, many of their their traditional rules and and for the Sabbath the Mishnah includes 39 rules 39 prohibitions or cat- in in six different categories of uh, of work things that you couldn't do on the Sabbath so it talked about how much you could stitch you know, how many stitches you could do on the Sabbath how many paces you could walk it's 1999 Uh, which is only several hundred yards, Um, and and it it was an attempt, uh, these things are an attempt to guard the Sabbath, but they laid down rules that were not in God's Word, and and they made them normative for everyone, right, and um, uh, obligatory for everyone, for every situation, and and certainly went beyond the requirement of the Sabbath by God's Word in many cases. Uh, so this is why this is where their charge is coming from. But what is Jesus' response? Secondly, verse 25, He said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and his companions became hungry, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And this is referring to uh, account in 1 Samuel chapter 21, uh, just after, you recall, David and, and Jonathan had um, set up their little uh, signal, right, by which Jonathan was going to figure out if Saul still wanted to kill him. And he's going to let John, David know out in the field. And he confirmed to David, "Yes, yeah, Saul's still angry. He's still going to try to kill you. So David is, is fleeing now immediately after that. And Saul's chasing him, trying to kill him. And David has a few men with him as well. And they're on the run, they have nothing to eat, they're in desperate need of food, and so they go to the tabernacle. And the only food available at the tabernacle apparently at that time, um, on that day or or whatever, was the the show bread. There were these 12 large loaves of bread that sat in the tabernacle, uh, 12 for the 12 tribes of Israel and, and signified the the, the life-giving presence of God with his people uh, makes this thing of, of Jesus saying, I am the, I'm the bread of life. Uh, but anyways, the, the bread was um, uh, changed regularly, and the priests were the only ones who ate the bread. You couldn't go and get a piece of showbread at, at, the, at the tabernacle. Um, and yet, on this occasion, uh, David and his men were given the bread in their desperate need um, uh, by the priest, uh, Beathar. Now the most uh, so what is going on there and was David right was David wrong Um, what is what is Jesus' evaluation of that the the most common interpretation of this reference here is that um, that the bread was given to David and his men um, because the moral law right the 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 eternal unchanging law of God um, which. Protects life, for example, um, you, you shall not murder. Um, here was protecting, sustaining the life of God's anointed king, uh, because the moral law trumps the ceremonial law. Okay, so the ceremonial law is the these temporary um, uh, provisions that God gave to Israel: the tabernacle, the priesthood, the incense, the showbread, and so on. Um, but but David's need. To live, to survive, as God's anointed king especially, uh, trumped that, that ceremonial law uh, at that time. Um, and and that, that may be a good understanding of this. But it, it's still a very difficult interpretation to think, how is Jesus comparing this to his situation then? Uh, what, is, what is Jesus' point about what he's doing on the Sabbath? And, and part of the difficulty is because the situations aren't, aren't very parallel in some key ways. So Jesus does not seem to be breaking the ceremonial law in any way. There's no prohibition against um, putting grain in your mouth on the Sabbath, um, nothing like that at all. It's also not clear that Jesus and his disciples are in desperate need, that they're starving, or they're they're not fleeing for their lives or anything like that. Um, And so that that makes it difficult as well. So my my best understanding of, of Jesus' point, his comparison here, is this. Uh, that he's saying that if, if David could set aside, and, and David functioned, David was a king, but he functioned as a priest uh, often as well, um, and offering sacrifices and things that only priests did, and uh, foreshadowing Christ as king and priest. But if David could set aside the ceremonial law in desperate need for the sake of what was good and right and, and necessary, how much more can the Son of Man, the, the Son of God, Jesus himself, set aside the rules of men um, for, for the sake of his, his ministry to mankind. So David, yes, it seems David set aside the ceremonial law for whatever reason or whatever justification. How much more should Jesus be able to set aside the Pharisees' own rules and traditions? Um, and that they're more concerned about that it seems than, than what David did. And, then, and Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man. It was made to be a blessing. And so I, I want to consider the, the two things that Jesus says here about the Sabbath in, in conclusion in this in this account, um, verse uh, 27 and 28, and, and uh, note that these really address two two extremes in how many people approach the Lord's Day even today. So they they were applicable in the same way then; they're, they're applicable today. So one one extreme. Uh, in approach to the lord 's day to the Christian Sabbath, it would be less and less common uh now over the years.
1: It would be to make the day
0: all about what i can can't do what what are the rules right that it's a it's a a day of prohibitions like i i can 't do certain things on this day right Um, It it can even be turned into a stifling negative focus uh, on the Lord's Day, much like the Pharisees did, and and, and we'll come back to that in a bit. Uh, But to them, essentially, Jesus says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the the Lord's Day is not simply some arbitrary burden placed on on believers. It's given as a rich grace of God uh, for you, to bless you. And so, if you experience the Lord's day as as a burden, uh, you're probably not doing it right, right? You're not you're not understanding it right, at least. I mean, that, that, could, be, um, of, um, that, that could be because of that uh, that could because of hardness of heart or, or misunderstanding. But people like the, like the Pharisees can be guilty of, of this kind of legalism, trying to make uh, black and white distinctions, black and white rules that cover every situation, that are binding on everyone. Um, th- there are no specific applications of what is prohibited on the Lord's Day in the New Testament. And contrary to some people's opinions, for some reason, there are very few in the Old Testament either. Uh, specific applications. Specific applications. Uh, the, the Jews again, made rules for how far you could walk on the Sabbath. God the Old Testament doesn't give any specific applications like that. Um, and this this principle applies to many other areas of life. There, there's no blueprint for for how we educate our children. right I think I used that that illustration last week as well. there are there are principles. Um, that, that guide us, we have to guard against making binding rules for all Christians, right? This is this is the mode of education that all Christians have to use, okay? So that's the one extreme. On, on the other hand, uh, the, the other wrong approach to the Lord's Day, even today, is... Is to ignore it. This would be the majority approach in, in modern American Christianity. To think it has no further significance, to think that it was, uh, because it was made for man, that means we can simply do whatever we want with it. Um, you know, is Jesus softening biblical. Um, Requirements for the Sabbath and in, in how he responds to the Pharisees. Um, sometimes this passage is interpreted that way, as if Jesus is saying, "You guys don't need to be ups- uh, uptight about the Sabbath. It's 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 not that important anymore. It's it's passing away." But it's it's quite the opposite. Um, Jesus confirms the lasting significance of his lordship. Over the Sabbath, the principle of, of setting aside a day to, to the Lord, uh, to worship the Lord, and saying in verse 28, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I, I think what he's doing is restoring a right understanding, a right observation of this part of God's law, as Jesus often does in his conflicts with the Pharisees, as he does most explicitly in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? He, he says over and over, you have heard that it was said... Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. He's not saying those things don't apply anymore. He's saying you've turned those those commands into uh, uh, outward, simple outward matters of obedience and and checklists. It's it's, it's much deeper than that. Right? It's a matter of the heart. Um, You know, Jesus doesn't talk about the Sabbath here or anywhere else uh, like he does about things that are going to pass away, that are going to be fulfilled by his work in the, on, on the cross and in the resurrection. So when the disciples bring up the temple, he says, yeah, the temple's going to be destroyed. People aren't going to worship here anymore. I am the temple, Jesus says. Uh, he doesn't say that with the Sabbath. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, uh, ongoingly uh, is the implication. So the, the Pharisees were guilty, again, of a, a man-centered approach to the Sabbath, making it simply about their performance of, of rules, of, of, of a list of don'ts. And, and we can be, too, if we, um, if we define or use the Lord's Day for, for our convenience or for our purposes. Uh, Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, what that means, in part, is that you are not the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, Jesus is the Lord of the Lord's Day. Um, you may not set it aside or, or like the Pharisees, make it like uh, about a list of, of rules or hoops, um, you may not redefine it. Uh, the Lord's Day was, you know, at one time, even in the United States, um, uh, generally, nearly universally uh, observed in some way, even in our civil laws in every every state, they were called blue laws. Um, it's been abandoned uh, largely even in the church uh, in the United States. And there are a number of roots of that, I think. Um, for one thing, it used to be that Saturday was... A family day Um, was a day that you gave to sports or activities or time with family, and the Lord's Day was the day you went to church a couple times and um, uh, took time off from these other things. But the Saturday is essentially shifted to Sunday. Those those activities and and the view of the day, it's counted as a family day. And that, that sounds nice. Family day is good and nice in many ways. The Lord's Day, I think, works out practically to to be a family day in in many ways, but um, that's not its biblical definition or part of its purpose um, at all. Uh, Facilitating family fun really has nothing to do with the measure of a biblical uh, Lord's Day, uh, of understanding this this blessing from God. We need to recognize, too, the Pharisees, as, as sharply as Jesus disagrees with them over their views of the Sabbath day, um, they were not wrong to take it seriously. Uh, they were not wrong in, in thinking carefully uh, about how to apply um, God's God's law relative to the Sabbath day uh, to their lives. Uh, they had what, uh, again, what I believe to be absurd rules uh, for you know how many steps you could take, how many sticks you could pick up, and, and things like that. Uh, but is it wrong for a family? then or today, to consider carefully the relationship between, say, travel and the blessing of the Lord's Day. Uh, no, it's, it's not wrong. In fact, it's, it's necessary. It's absolutely necessary for you or for your family to, to think through those, those relationships um, between how you live and, and the blessing of the Lord's Day. In fact, um, everyone uh, must do that. Um, but again, it's not laid out specifically in God's Word uh, a particular uh, binding answer. It's it's a matter of wisdom. Okay. Um, again, we could use the example of of education. Right. There's no blueprint for education um, in the Scriptures. But that doesn't mean that we just say, well, anything goes. We don't have to think carefully about it. Then. You no. Know, every family has to consider carefully. Uh, how do I best apply the principles and 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 the laws in God's word uh to my family what it says about what my children are and and what they're for and the role of a parent and so on and every family must decide uh, must decide what what option is best uh before the lord uh for their children uh, that's imperative on each of us in many different areas of life okay so Jesus is the measure of all Christian obedience. That that includes the Lord's Day, what we do with Sunday, what we think it's for. Okay, um, it's it's not someone else's list of do's and don'ts, uh, but it's also certainly not the culture around us uh, that determines what what that looks like in in application. Okay, um, verse twenty-eight uh, again. When Jesus says, "So the the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath," is Really, essentially, a claim to deity, right? Who is Lord of the Sabbath? God is Lord of the Sabbath. God instituted the Sabbath; He built it into the very creation. Uh, one day out of seven, um, Adam was to then imitate. Adam and Eve were to imitate God, right? They were to be part of their being in the image of God was to uh, have a seven day week and imitate God in, in setting aside one day uh, as holy. And we are to imitate Christ. Right, uh, We were particularly to imitate Christ. Uh, and this is a large reason why we understand the Sabbath has, um, has essentially changed to the first day of the week. Uh, the Christian Sabbath is the Lord's Day uh, on Sunday. Um, it was on the first day of the week that Jesus entered into his rest. Right, That's the language of Hebrews, chapter 4. Um, uh, God rested on the seventh day after creation. Uh, Jesus, in his recreation, entered into his rest uh, on the first day of the week. And that's uh, what Hebrews 4 says in discussing um, the ongoing significance of rest uh, and Sabbath. Um, uh, We imitate Christ in his regular attendance at at synagogue worship in the Gospels and in uh, doing good, doing mercy on that day. Um, And the rest of the New Testament then, gives the example of the church gathering for worship on the first day of the week, gathering for teaching and for fellowship and having the Lord's Supper together uh, over and over again, we're told, on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week. Um, and so we set this day aside from, from ordinary things, especially to celebrate the risen Lord, uh, the day that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead and, and entered into his rest and to worship him. Uh, Let's consider then uh, the the second conflict here more more briefly um, at the beginning of chapter 3, where it says he entered again into a synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And again, here we have the Pharisees tagging along to watch him. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. Um, Again, waiting for him to slip up. Uh, to find something to charge Jesus with. Interestingly, they seem to know that he would be able to heal um, simply by the power of his word, and yet they're looking for a way to trap him, uh, to kill him. Uh, Matthew's account tells us they actually asked, is it, they asked Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now again, this this question, this charge, comes under the Pharisees' tradition. Right, nothing in the old testament, nothing in the law of God, um uh, against uh healing, showing compassion for someone else, even putting effort into doing that uh on the Sabbath or any other day. Uh, there, there's some variation in um first century Judaism on exactly uh the rules for helping someone else or um healing or, or something like that, um, but what was universal uh, in, in the Mishnah and in, in, in the traditions of the Pharisees and the Jews generally was that you could only do this if someone's life was actually in danger. Uh, that's when you could aid someone or, or help them with, with, give them healing help or something like that uh, if their life was in danger. Um, now how the way that Jesus healed would, would come under this is not clear. Um, you know, how it fit the Pharisees' categories, the fact that Jesus just spoke and things happened um, is, is not really clear, but um, it really highlights their, their crooked motives um, and their inadequate view of God's law. But it's significant to note that, that Jesus, it seems, maybe chose this man um, as, a, as a perfect test case, as a perfect example of the lesson he wanted to give uh, because the man's life was not in danger. Right? He had a, a, a withered or a stiff hand is, is what it means, probably a birth defect, and so it's not something that's endangering his life. He's probably not in any kind of pain or any kind of uh, immediate need, like someone who is injured or something like that might be. Um, and so it's not even like a, a leper, like someone who is ostracized because of a disease or something like that, okay? Uh, So what is Jesus' response? Uh, Verse 3, he said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? And and I'm going to focus on the first part of that, just mention real briefly that the the part about saving a life or killing is not a reference to what he's about to do with this man with the withered hand. His, His life's not in danger. I think that's an explicit challenge to the Pharisees, who, what, what do they do immediately after this, on the Sabbath? They go and plot to kill Jesus, right? So here they are accusing Jesus of helping and healing someone, and uh, the next minute, on the Sabbath, rather than being at the synagogue or wherever else they might be, they're plotting to kill the Son of God. Okay, so it's a, an implicit challenge to them. But it says they kept silent. They, they couldn't answer him. And Jesus goes on to heal him uh, in verse 5. And Jesus essentially so he answers his own question. Is it lawful to do good, to show mercy, to show compassion on the Sabbath? And he, he does good. He, does, he shows compassion. Of course it's lawful to imitate God in his grace and his mercy uh, celebrated, especially on the Sabbath day, uh, on that day. Uh, It's not just lawful, and we can say with confidence that part of what Jesus is demonstrating is that it's part of what the day is for. It's not just permissible, Uh, it's it's right, it's part of what the day is for. We could could, uh, see that in the Old Testament, for example, from... Uh, The the Sabbath included Sabbath uh, weeks, Sabbath years, and even a jubilee uh, uh, once every 50 years, uh, a a mega Sabbath year, uh, if you will, which was a time for uh, freeing um, freeing slaves and giving land back to the poor and, and so on. Um, it was for showing kindness and mercy to the poor. Last week I read from Isaiah chapter 58, where Jesus is critical of uh, Israel and their practice of fasting. They're going through the motions of fasting and saying, God, why aren't you uh, automatically blessing us because of this? And God uh, responds saying that, that a true fast issues in what primarily? Compassion for others, right? doing good to others. Um, that, that's a, a chief evidence uh, of a godly, humble heart. But the other topic in Isaiah 58 is the Sabbath. Right? And God's challenge is to Israel, turn from your pleasure on the Sabbath and do my pleasure is the implication. And, and again, what is outlined in, that, in Isaiah 58 as God's pleasure is that his people would show compassion and do good to others, especially those who are, who are needy. And we see that example in Jesus in in doing good and helping and showing compassion to others, uh, even, maybe especially, on on the Sabbath day. Um, I want to make this point, that, that you must understand what God's institutions, like the Sabbath, like the Lord's Day, you must understand what they're for to benefit from them. Okay what what I mean by that is you have to see how both the, the rules the negative prohibitions work together with the positive purpose of the institution uh, to really understand it and benefit from it so take uh, another institution of God as an example take marriage okay um there are there are prohibitions that guard marriage and its purpose right they're very strict prohibitions Right, you're not to give to your, yourself to anyone outside your marriage. Um, that, that you're not to abuse your spouse, right? Or, or uh, you know, we, we could go on. These are strict, serious biblical rules. Um, They're part of the, the design of marriage uh, prohibitions. On the other hand, positively, uh, what is marriage for? It's for companionship. Uh, and and love and sanctification, you're to show love and care and selflessness and provide for your spouse and so on. Uh, so you can't ignore one one side or the other, right? You can't just avoid what's prohibited. You can't just do what's 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 positive, uh, what what the marriage is for, positively, right? If you keep all the prohibitions, you don't sleep with anyone else, so you don't abuse your spouse but you ignore the positive elements of what marriage is for, loving and providing for and being a companion to your spouse. Well, you don't have a marriage, essentially, right? You've destroyed it. Um, it, it doesn't really matter that you're, you're uh, avoiding the prohibitions, right? So the same applies to the Lord's Day. And the Pharisees were failing in this way. They were so concerned with, with sins of commission, right, crossing the lines of, of what you're not to do, and they, and they made all kinds of extra rules about that. That they were completely missing uh, the, the the sin of omission, right? This this is what they were. Uh, this is the sin they were committing. They, they weren't giving themselves to what the Sabbath was for, even being willing to 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 help someone, to show compassion in simple ways. Right? And later Jesus will challenge them on their, even, even on their, their worship, right? which, which is a significant part of, of the Sabbath day as well. Well, it's easy, again, for us as well to think of uh, something like the Lord's Day, we could apply this to other areas of life, to, to marriage or other things, and, and just thinking, what am I not allowed to do? What can I get away with? Um, rather than what ought I to be doing positively? What is this for, positively? And, and as I've already stated, the Lord's Day is first a ga- day of gathering for worship, as we are here this morning, um, that nothing is to get in the way of that. Uh, but also, we ought to ask, am I imitating Christ? Am I, am I serving, showing compassion? Do I know what the day is for uh, positively? Uh, not just setting aside uh, negatively ordinary um, activities and work and so on, as, as we should uh, in various ways. Uh, to make room for what the day is is for positively, and Jesus in verse five says that he was he was angry um, and grieved that they didn't get that part of the Sabbath. Uh, they missed that part. Um, so I want to ask you again: Is is your Lord's day oriented towards God first and and towards others in a way that honors and imitates God? Now, of course. We're always, in a sense, every day, we're always to be oriented towards God and oriented towards others and, and serving others. But, but especially on the Lord's Day, God has given us as a blessing, particularly to be free from the things of work and, and school and busyness and, and whatever it is, uh, largely, that consume our other days to give ourselves to worship, but also an opportunity to give ourselves to, to serve and be with, be with others. What is, what is the goal of the Lord's Day. What is the goal of your Lord's Day? Um, Maybe the goal is family time or physical rest or simply attending worship. Those are all uh, good things in and of themselves but aren't part of the biblical goal or definition of of the Lord's Day. The goal is, is first celebrating and anticipating the fullness of the grace of God and the risen Lord Jesus. And as Jesus demonstrates here, and elsewhere, and blessing others, doing good, doing mercy. Uh, it is good and right uh, to do that on this day. It's a day to be with and to bless other believers. That's part of the example that Jesus gives to us here. Um, just note that you know, all, all of the holy days in the Old Testament... Um, that God gave to Israel, and and the Lord's Day was the one that was built into creation long before Moses and and the giving of the ceremonial law and so on, so this is the one that continues uh, today, but all of them were were called feast days, right, whether the Day of Atonement or or a Sabbath or or whatever, they were all feast days, and I think there's no reason not to think of the Lord's Day, even today, in those same terms, as as a, a feast day in, in the Old Testament sense, that's why uh, traditionally, in, in terms of one application of this, though sadly not so much anymore, traditionally it's been a day for hospitality within the church. Uh, you know, whether together as as a church, and we're, we're hoping to do uh, that again soon. Together, have have fellowship meals occasionally, or or in people's homes. Uh, the Heidelberg Catechism that we're studying in, on Sunday evenings. Um, uh, calls the Lord's Day a festive day of rest, a festive day of rest. That is, it's a it's a day of being with believers. It's a it's a, a feast day in a sense a, a day of celebration. Um, the, and the emphasis on rest is not so much on on uh, sitting around and doing nothing, right? But doing doing different things, resting in in the gospel rest, uh, a taste of the gospel rest that God gives to us. It's a day when we can extend, as Jesus does here, to this man. Uh, we can extend uh, the the rest of the gospel um, to each other, a, a taste of the peace and the fellowship and the uh, the provision that God gives to us. We have that taste primarily in in worship as we gather on the Lord's day. We can extend that to each other as well. that's this Jesus example here uh, to us. So again, Jesus is to be a center and the focus of of all of our obedience, all of our worship. Um, especially clearly with, with the Lord's Day. So just as Jesus challenged the Pharisees here, I just ask you, is, is Jesus the Lord of your Lord's Day? Uh, maybe the Lord's Day is uh, something new or unfamiliar to you. I, I'd be happy to talk to you more uh, about that um, um, later. Um, but is the day about imitating and celebrating him? Um, or is it perhaps ironically somehow a, a more man-centered? Day as it was for the Pharisees. Um, do you have a balanced and biblical view of, of the Lord's Day? In other words, are you concerned both to, to guard and honor the day as as holy, as as set apart, uh, but also primarily, positively, for uh, in worshiping and showing mercy and doing good uh, among the people of God? Uh, are you approaching the Lord's Day with the right questions? What what ought I be doing to be doing? Uh, with this blessing, this means that God has given uh, for my growth and for the good of the church. What, what is it for? Well, let's pray as we think about that together. The Father in heaven, we thank you for your word again this week. Uh, we thank you for uh, the teaching of the Lord Jesus that you preserve for us uh, here in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, we thank you for the ongoing uh, rich blessing and gift of the Lord's day. Um this opportunity to uh, particularly set aside time to uh, consider the Lord Jesus on the day that he rose from the dead and begin our week uh, with that, begin our week with with resting in him and his uh, new creation. Um, Lord, we pray that you would help us to uh, love and honor that gift uh, more and more, um, individually and together. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.